Welcome to the Laurie Lawrence podcast, Stuff the Silver, We're Going for Gold. This podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform, WorldwideSwimSchool.com. It was simply an idea that I'd read and share chapters of the two books that I'd written about my eight Olympic Games adventures. And when I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. The podcast is not meant to be a quick fix to get us achieving. It's simply meant to be a help, a guide, a companion in the tough times. I wanted to share and show that dreams are important and we must hold on to those dreams. However, without hard work, those dreams are only fantasies. The perfect result is when we dream and then make those dreams come true. Only an individual with persistence and dedication can make a dream come true. The choice becomes yours. If you want the edge in life or in sport, there are no shortcuts. You must work hard, make tough decisions, sacrifice, and march daily towards your goal, one step at a time. If you are serious about winning, you must prepare to win. Enjoy the podcast. Tell your friends if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. 1970 was a vintage year for Australian sports lovers. The armchair critics who spent their weekends perched in front of television sets, sipping on stubbies, cheering their favourite sports people and footy teams, had a fun time. Bag dad note, Won the Melbourne Cup at 25 to 1. I didn't back it. John Newcomb beat Ken Rosewell in an All-Australian Wimbledon final. I backed Australia. Greg Chappell, a great cricketer, made his test debut and Australia reaped a harvest of 35 gold medals at the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh. Carlton won the VFL flag. And Souths won the Sydney Rugby League Premiership. Another stunning sporting achievement that year was not covered by any TV network. It happened at the Queensland Swimming Championships. Laurie Lawrence, a la me, just four years into his coaching career, picked up and hurled Helen Gray's silver medal a hundred metres over the fence and onto the railway line at the starter's end of the Brisbane Valley Pool. The great Viv Richards would have had trouble getting the distance. In fact, the throw still stands as a record for the silver medal hurl at the Queensland Swimming Championships. In 1970, I fancied myself as a smart-ass young coach. Come to think of it, I still do, but I'm not young anymore. I flew down from the bush with a squad of superbly fit young swimmers, all starry-eyed, burnt brown from the hot North Queensland sun, aggressive, confident, and all of them hunting gold medals. 
being new in the coaching game, I was out to make a name for my Townsville team. My coaching philosophy had been moulded on the rugby field. Why on the rugby field? An uncompromising win-at-all-cost attitude. Winning was important. Why else do they keep the score? For me, to come across was the pits. To come second was the pits. Defeat, failure, can't. These were all words not found in my dictionary and were not to be tolerated in any of my young charges. Hell, it wasn't even worth the trip from the bush or the trouble of donning your speedos to collect a silver or bronze medal. That was my early philosophy. Time and experience have made me revise and modify my attitudes. Experience has taught me to race, race, race for gold, uncompromising, ruthlessly, single-mindedly, competitively, be tough, but also have a secondary goal. If you can't collect the gold, at least do your personal best time. Always be able to look back over your preparation and know you prepared to the best of your ability. Be honest. Don't lie to yourself by looking for an easy option. There is no easy options if you want to win. This is the way you have, this way, you have the chance to always be a winner. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror every day knowing that you've given it your best, knowing you have left no stone unturned in your quest for victory. Peace of mind and honesty with yourself are more important than all your records and all your gold medals. This simple, systematic setting of realistic goals and the relentless pursuit of them keep athletes involved in sport for many years and builds a philosophy that can be used in life. Remember, no one ever drowned in sweat. However, 1970 was early days in my coaching career, and if you didn't have a gold medal in your hot little hand, then to me, you were a loser, and all the effort had been in vain. I installed the no guts, no glory attitude into the 12 young gladiators I'd brought down from Townsville to make an assault on the Queensland titles. We were here to win, not to have a good time. We were down from the bush to show those city slickers how it was done. After a magnificent race on the first night of the championships, one of my young warriors, Helen Gray, a strong, wiry, determined young girl, with a flashing smile and short-cropped hair, who was later to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh, and, of course, the Olympic Games in Munich, waltz up to me with a silver medal. Helen sported a grin like a split watermelon. She'd got a silver medal at the Queensland Championships. This was a major blunder. Smiling over a silver medal, I wanted her to go to the Commonwealth Games, and a smile suggesting that sport was only for fun was intimidating that excellence and ambition could be compromised. Show me, I spat. She pressed the medal into my hand and 2.80 seconds later, it was sailing over the valley fence with 
the barbed wire top. It landed on the Brisbane Sandgate railway line at the starter's end of the Valley Pool. The Queensland record for a silver medal hurl was established. This impulsive action by a cocky young coach sparked immediate response from parents, coaches and officials. Who is that fool? asked the referee. Laurie Lawrence, a former rugby player, whispered an overweight timekeeper to her bespeckled friend. We'll cite him, snarled committeeman. Suspend his coaching membership, snapped some older swim coaches. Best I see him in the QSA offices, said Mr Greg Lawler, chairman of the Queensland Swimming Association. Helen was shocked. In her four years of racing, this was the first time I'd reacted so strongly over a second place. Her lip quivered, and she bravely fought back tears. Grandmothers there to cheer on their little dawn phrases of the future, shook their heads and cried, shame, shame, before popping another couple of glucose tablets into the open mouths of their young hopefuls perched on the wooden stand like hungry little birds. Grim-faced officials went into huddles, planning disciplinary action, discussing ways to rid the sport of this new blight, this clown. Susie Anderson, another of my budding champions who happened to get third in the same event and was prancing, smiling and happy, just two steps behind Helen, which she witnessed the throw and froze in her tracks. The colour drained from her face as she quickly stuffed her precious bronze medal into her Speedo tracksuit top and zipped it up tight. It was safe there. Alex Evans, an old rugby mate who played and represented Australia, bald head polished for the occasion, cheered, laughed, clapped, then abused me for not throwing it further. Alex was having more fun than on the day the Wallabies scored the pushover try against Wales on the Grand Slam tour of the British Isles. At the Valley Pool that night, the proverbial cat was well and truly among the pigeons. I had committed an unpardonable offence. I'd pelted a hallowed Queensland silver medal over the fence, uttered numerous profanities as it sailed merrily on its way, and abused one of my young swimmers for losing. I had no shame. I had made a fool of myself. For sure, it would be headlines in the next day's papers. This was my first state titles, and here I was, already in deep shit. What a way to start a coaching career. Later, Helen sat with me in a quiet section of the pool, her head bowed. How do you expect to go to Scotland to make the Commonwealth Games team if you can't win a miserable Queensland title? I quizzed her. I was tired from the eight kilometres you made me swim this morning, 
she answered back. Now, don't, don't get offensive. I told you before the championships, we were not going to taper. You had to win untapered. Why didn't you kick into the wall, I asked again. It's hard. A slight quiver in her voice. I don't care. So is making the Commonwealth Games team. I'm so tired, Laurie. I just, you've been working me hard, she said. The quiver in her voice was stronger now. It's only a state of mind. You have to be contemptuous of pain. Welcome it as a sign of improvement and keep pressing against it. Laurie, I am tired. Please help me. The tears welled in her eyes. Helen, things of value don't come by luck. They're won by pain and sacrifice. You must believe. How do you think Herb Elliott felt when Percy Cerati made him run the sand hills at Portsea? I do believe, Laurie, I do, she answered, but I'm so tired, please help me. And the tears rolled down her cheeks. I weakened. Okay, I said. Okay, I'll give you three days rest, light training. But I want a guts effort in the 200 metres freestyle on Friday night. I want the gold medal. Later that night, by the light of the moon and a packet of redhead matches, a smart-ass young coach with a Dennis Lilly moustache and a well-groomed Elvis Presley sideburns was seen to rip his bell-bottom trousers on the barbed wire fence as he scaled that valley pool fence. He was conspicuous in his Ming blue shirt and pointy-toe shoes as he began his search for a broken-hearted girl's discarded silver medal on the Brisbane Sandgate train line. The swimming fraternity looked on, cheering loudly as the coach was almost run over by the 9.10 Sandgate flyer. Two hours later, alone on the line, I cheered loudly myself when I found the medal wedged in a cracked railway sleeper. I then, next day, changed Helen Gray's training regime. I gave her three days of easy training, no sprints, and booked her in for a massage by Bill Elvis, whom the young swimmers in Brisbane at the time saw as the Messiah of Massage. They loved to get massaged by Bill Elvis. They reckon it worked magic. I bought her a new cap and new goggles and told her she was now ready to race the best swimmers in Queensland in the 200 metres freestyle championship, open. No excuses. Three days rest. Helen, having been rested, won the gold medal easily in a new Queensland record time. She beamed proudly on the winner's dais as the medal was slipped around her neck and waved to the North Queensland contingent, all the bushies, who screamed their approval from the old wooden stands at the deep end of the pool. As soon as the medal presentation was over, 
she marched back to the stands. She stopped ten metres in front of me and with all the audacity of youth, picked up the gold medal and flung it at me with full force. You wanted the gold medal. It's yours. Now keep it, she exclaimed. Quicker than any Australian slips fieldsman, my hand flashed upward and I caught the shining medal as it sailed past my right ear. I then slipped it into my trousers pocket. To this day, that medal has pride of place in my office as one of my most treasured pieces of memorabilia. Eight weeks later, when announced as a member of the Commonwealth Games team for Edinburgh, 13-year-old Helen bounded up the stairs of the old North Sydney pool looking for a coach. She was the youngest team member. Yippee, she yelled and waved excitedly as she sighted me, punching the air in ecstasy. My first Australian representative. We met halfway, hugged and jigged. We were savouring the moment of triumph, the moment when a dream is realised, a goal is achieved. It's over. I'm there. I've made it, she whispered. I stopped dead in the middle of our celebratory jig. My coaching instincts screamed. Refocus, refocus. I stepped back. I grabbed her by the shoulders, held her at arm's length, looked squarely into her eyes and said simply, Helen, it's only the beginning. She looked at me puzzled. I said, we must now work towards Edinburgh. You can win a medal there. She looked at me puzzled. I replied, we must now work towards Edinburgh. You can be a medalist there. Do you think so? I'm sure, I told her. So a new goal was set. I had to have her set a new, realistic, achievable goal or she would float through her swim career, drifting like thousands of poor unfortunate souls who wander through life, never achieving anything of note or value, never experiencing the hope of planning, not feeling the joy of achieving or the exhilaration of winning because they don't have any specific, clearly identified objectives. Too many people have no dreams, no dreams to chase, no rivers to swim, no mountains to climb. My job now was to jolt Helen back to reality. She'd made the team. I had to get her to refocus her thoughts to develop a plan of action that would enable her to win a medal in Scotland. I had to have her understand and identify the benefits of doing this so she would work towards making that goal a reality. Helen, you're in the team and that gives you the opportunity to win a medal, I said. But Dad's happy with me making the team, she answered. No buts. Sure, 
you're in the team, but that's all the more reason to try for a medal. You have a chance not available to any kids that don't make the team. If you're in the team, you have a chance of winning a medal. You've got to make your parents even happier by winning a medal. Do you think I can win a medal, she asked. Of course you can. You have to grasp this opportunity in both hands and work towards winning a medal. I'm only 13. Good. Gives you more chance. Edinburgh is six months away. You'll improve more than any of the older girls just on pure growth alone. But Karen's the world record holder. Then you'll have to break the world record, I joked. She'd laugh. I'd like to, she said. Can you imagine the town if you break the world record, I said? Townsville would go berserk. They'd hold a huge party, parade through the city streets. Townsville would be unbelievable. You'd be the hero. Do you think I could win? She asked again, her eyes lighting up. Break the world record? No, silly, she giggled. Win a medal. No risk. Piece of cake. I can see you in Scotland. Gold medal hanging around your neck. Shining gold-coloured ribbon. I can hear the national anthem. I can see you standing there so proud as the national anthem is played for Helen Jewel Grey. Laurie, it's going to be winter in Townsville. The water will be ice cold for me training, she said. She was back to reality. Teenagers just have that way of arguing. Helen, I said, nothing of value ever comes easy. If you want something badly enough, you have to put up with some inconveniences along the way. Have you ever swum in cold water? She asked me. That's not the point, I said. Cold water will be only a temporary inconvenience, a problem you have to thrust out of your mind. Yeah, but it's winter. It's cold and it's dark, Laurie. I don't like cold and dark. My mind raced. What could I say? True. We can change the training times and days, I finally offered. If we train on Saturdays and Sundays instead of having a day off, we can train in the warmest part of the day. That will eliminate three early morning training sessions and you'll get a great tan. See, you will only have to swim in the dark two mornings a week on Tuesday and Thursday. So it'll be easy. You will do it easy. What about Monday, Wednesday and Friday mornings? She said. Sleep in, I said. What? Are you going soft? Well, if you really want to beat Karen, Karen Morass, the world record holder, you could get up at 7am and do an hour of exercises before you go to school on those days. We could buy a set of... Forbes Carlisle rubbers and a ride t-shirt. Why? 
You could put the T-shirt on the floor, pretend it belongs to Karen Morass, and work so hard that you would drip sweat on it as you exercise. Laurie, you are crazy. Yeah, but wouldn't it be sensational to use Forbes rubber pulleys and a T-shirt to motivate you to beat his world record holder? I said. I'd like to try, she said. Me too, I answered. See you Monday morning, seven o'clock. As she turned and walked away, I curled. Helen, she spun. Yes? I'm sorry I pelted your silver medal away. I was wrong. That's okay, she grinned. I'll try for a gold in Edinburgh. In my heart, I knew she was too young at 13 to beat a world record holder, but by setting her goal of beating the great Karen Morass, I felt confident she could work towards being the youngest swimmer to win a medal in Edinburgh. Browning's words flashed into my mind. A man's reach must exceed his grasp, or what's a heaven for? Again, Browning's words flashed into my mind. A man's reach must exceed his grasp, or what's a heaven for? Helen went on to the Commonwealth Games at Edinburgh on her own. No coach. She covered herself in glory, while I, her coach, headed for America. I wanted to track down Olympic coach Don Gambrell. I wanted to watch his swimming team. I was hungry for more information on training programs. I wanted to get it more about butterfly techniques, backstroke, breaststroke. I wanted to learn and even wanted to improve my medal-throwing ability. In Edinburgh, Helen Gray became the youngest girl to win a medal at the Commonwealth Games in 1970. Footnote. Helen is now married. She still swims for fun in the Aussie Masters competition. Occasionally, we sit down over a cup of coffee and reminisce about the good old days. There is nothing so fleeting as a sporting event. But better still, nothing so lasting as the memory of it. I'm now teaching Helen's 12-month-old son, Nathan, to swim. I hope he's a good boy and that I don't have to throw any of his toys over the fence. He's a little addition. Nathan is now a young man, grown up, and he's an advisor to one of the Labor Party's ministers. Nathan. Good job. Son, you'll never swim for Australia, but you might finish up in the Australian Parliament. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit laurielawrence.com.au. It's alive, do the fire!